Ola, how are we doing today? Great, man. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, you've been one of the most interesting follows that I've recently stumbled across on Twitter. I think your niche and your bio, like the AI, the psychedelics, the crypto, it's very cutting edge and it's very thought provoking and piqued my curiosity. So I had to ask you to come on. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of just me. It's the boring answer. <laughs> Exactly. Like your niche is you. And uh, I love the different combination of interests. But before we get into some of those things, I want to hear a little bit about your background. Like, how did you get into all of this stuff? Yeah. So my background is kind of a roller coaster. If you look at the last years, so it's anything but a straight line. So that's like the first thing I can say about it. So I started as a music producer and as an artist. So I produced techno, I produced uh, pop music for pretty long time I think around like six or seven years while I was living in Berlin also DJing also clubbing a lot so this kind of lifestyle um, yeah and in 2017 I got really got into crypto I'm like a very obsessive person so like once I find something new I'm like gonna dive into completely and yeah it really sucked me in in 2017 um, I also felt like a genius because I made some money I like I just went on reddit and searched for like random coins I mean it's I won't tell the whole story, but basically the short form is like my girlfriend, she had a life insurance. I don't, I didn't have any money. And I like talked her into like giving her, like completely getting out of her life insurance and giving the money to me because I was a genius investor. So I took that money. That was my starting point in crypto. And uh, yeah, I kind of wrote this a little bit, obviously also lost a lot of money and realized I didn't know shit about trading, but I like really piqued my interest. So I really went deep into like learning how, to invest money, how to trade, and also into like the psychology around trading and investing, which I think is the actually like the more important skill. It's not the trading, but it's more about the way of thinking about investing and stuff. So yeah, I've done that for quite a while. And I still was still doing some music stuff, but then like 220, I completely stopped doing that. And I really like went all in uh, in crypto done some like marketing stuff in crypto as well, like helped some projects, uh, but mainly just invested my money, traded my money and like relearned about markets. And yeah, I think in like, like one year ago, I went into content creation again. I was a content creator before when I was an artist, right? Because you have to be a content creator. But um, yeah, so I completely dove back into creating content, uh, started my own podcast in the crypto space, but also like really started writing for the first time and like learning about how to write the basic uh, Twitter bro stuff, right? <laughs> learn, how to, learn how to make a, a good looking list and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but it really like piqued my interest again in becoming a creator again. So yeah, I started writing on LinkedIn, which sounds super boring, but which was actually pretty helpful. And um, yeah, then started on Twitter last year, I think like in November, I got onto Twitter again. And yeah, basically from now, I'm just doing the content creation stuff, but I'm really interested in building a business. That's like what, where my heart really is and how to grow a business, how to build a business. And yeah, just recently launched my newest project, which is uh, the AI Solopreneur. And that's like a profile around how to leverage AI. I mean, obviously AI is like the hot shit right now. Um, but yeah, just kind of documenting also my journey, like how I use AI. But yeah, like my personal profile, uh, which obviously like probably more piqued your interest is more about my life in between like being um, an entrepreneur, but also I'm super interested in psychedelics. Um, so I like to like share my experiences, but also do some education because I think it's still kind of a prohibited 
topic, but it's gaining more traction and people are interested in it. So um, that's for me, it's super interesting to share about that. But yeah, I also like left my home country. I live in Cyprus now. I have a, a company abroad. So also like tried some of the like traveling and working lifestyle and uh, also came to some conclusions there. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of just taking like live as it, as it comes to me at the moment. It's sometimes it's like rushing, um, especially at the moment for the no, new profile. But yeah, I'm just sharing my journey along the road. I love it. I want to dive into like all those little niche topics, but I think first I, I want to hear more about the AI solopreneur and yeah. for everybody out there, like this account, you've grown it from zero to like 30, what? 32,000 followers now in like a month. Yeah. No, it's in two weeks. Ridiculous. Yeah. In two weeks. Days. Yeah. That is ridiculous. And also you have a newsletter on the back end of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. The newsletter is around, I think 3.2 K subs now. So around like 10% of the Twitter following. Yeah, man, wow. it's, it's been crazy. It's been crazy, honestly. Uh, obviously, the niche is also just hyped as fuck right, right now. But yeah, just like if you're if you're used to like growing profiles, usually it's like a lot of hustle in the beginning. Like, okay, if I can get, you know, a thousand followers in the first month, it's already kind of a cool start. But I think it's actually something I learned in, in crypto and in investing. It's really important to understand momentum. And most people like really get that wrong. They are either like way too late or way too early and finding the sweet spot where there's already enough momentum. So you don't only have the like early adopters, but kind of the early masses are getting into a product. And when I saw like ChatGPT really getting traction, also like within like my reach of friends that are not super like tech savvy, um, it piqued my interest. Like I actually use GPT-3 which is the underlying model. I used it first in like 2020 because I met this random guy who was like a hacker guy and he was building products around it. And I was one of the, actually one of the first Jasper users when it really, when it just came out and it was super clunky. And I'd, I honestly, I just left it because I was like, okay, this is not working for me. But like I had this, uh, I always had an eye on it, but I've kind of waited for uh, a tipping, tipping point and like to start a business around it. And when I saw like the extreme growth of ChatGPT users, and I also looked at Google Trends and uh, some other communities, and I looked, I can just maybe share like the, the playbook, what also brought me to like choosing the solopreneur niche. So I was in now a competitor's Discord. I won't say who it was, but I was in Discord and I checked it. They had like different channels for like content creation, for solopreneurs, for AI builders. And I checked them daily and just had a look and which one had the most messages. And it was constantly the solopreneur one. I was like, okay, I am a solopreneur. And it seems like it's like the, the, the concept of like um, just using a subcategory, right? And building a new product around it. If maybe you people back then looked at Craigslist and they took the rental um, subcategory, they built Airbnb, right? Like this concept of like building a business or like just niching down and building a new product. I think it's a great way to go about it. Yeah. And I'm a solopreneur. I'm, um, just very passionate about, about building businesses and like doing on my own. And it, it's kind of this was a fusion of this like huge topics that I'm interested in, but which are also hyped at the moment, right? Like Justin Welch really kind of brought a wave of, oh, you have to be a solopreneur, blah, blah, blah. And I'm kind of fanboy of Justin Welch for some time. And uh, yeah, it felt like an interesting point of time to combine those. But honestly, man, like, Gaining so much traction so fast was like, 
what the fuck is happening? This is like a rocket ship right now. Yeah. And I love the solopreneur angle on top of it because I think that is what is so exciting for me. So I've kind of gravitated towards solopreneurship because I realized I'm really self-motivated. I actually wrote a thread about this today. Like all the reasons I want to be a solopreneur rather than like a startup founder or a CEO, because I like to really control my time and energy. And in the past, before the internet, I think it was really hard to completely work on your own. But now with the internet, with social media, and now with AI, like I don't think people realize you can literally build a team of employees that is AI. So I wonder, yeah. can we get more yeah. into like the implications of that? Like, how would that look? Yeah. I also wrote a, a thread like two or three weeks ago why I went into this niche. And uh, one of the like big trends, obviously, is like team sizes are shrinking. And obviously, I'm just talking about uh, solopreneurs, but I think you can apply it to basically every business in, in general. If one business had like maybe one copywriter, um, one accountant, one and like one person just basically putting stuff into an Excel spreadsheet. And there are a lot of jobs like that. And, but I think in the next couple of months to like one to two years, a lot of those jobs will like be combined into some tooling and like someone just being an operator, right? So I think the big change is like from you doing to like you operating. And the same, if we look at writers, for example, I think a writer will like write less, but like um, just be an operator and doing the thinking and the AI uh, will do like the doing part of it. And that's a huge difference. So in general, like to come, to come back to your question, I think like the big trend is like teams will get super small and will also because of layoffs and because people feel empowered, like we see more solopreneurs. So it's like basically two trends at the same time, right? So the one trend AI is uh, making teams shrink, but maybe it also empowers people to think, oh, maybe I don't, uh, need to work at this business anymore maybe i can just do it on my own so i thought like solopreneurship is like the trend within the trend and ai is really fueling this trend and if you have like momentum you can see i get hyped when i talk about it if you have like momentum on top of momentum it's like you really have a potential for incredible growth and uh, that's why why you when you're interested in solopreneurship i think there is no way around ai like AI can just like supercharge your business in so many different ways. Um, but the hard part now really is, really is like to, and I think that's like my main mission is like, how can I onboard someone in the easiest way possible? Because like most people are not like super systemic thinkers and most people don't go through a like 10-step tutorial into integrating uh, 10 different tools. They need, in my opinion, they need like an easy way to get in. It's like, this is your process you usually do. Um, maybe it's about, I don't know, like their market research, their routine. You write them like a simple prompt, a simple playbook, something they can integrate into their workflow. But now they are like, their workflow is like 10 times faster, right? And you do that with every like single process in your business. And um, I think you can just save a shitload of time, but you can't do it all at once. And that's like kind of the mission I have for the AI solopreneur is to speak to people that want to integrate AI, but they are not developers. And um, yeah, just to offer like simple solutions for those problems. Yeah, it's really interesting. And something I thought of while you were talking is you're building this other account, the AI solopreneur to help bring this to the mainstream. And I'm curious, like, why not just call yourself the AI solopreneur and put that under your own personal brand? Like why build a separate yeah. business? 
Yeah, that's a good question. It's also something I was uh, thinking about a lot, actually. Um, I th for me, like my personality is like way bigger than just being the AI solopreneur. And I completely believe in um, the, the, the niching down and the business is going to be stronger if you're like very focused on one thing. And I just know for my internal motivation, it would be bad to be like, oh, you are only this. And let's say I built this account up to a million followers, but they're following the AI solopreneur and they're not following the AI psychedelic uh, half-ass yeah. crypto trader investor guy, right? <laughs> so, right, right. <laughs> so it was a personal decision to do so. Um, I'm tr like, I want to like build this in public via my other account to have like, um, to talk about more of the business building side of it. On the other hand, obviously, it's also, if you look at it from an acquisition standpoint, um, if I might want to sell it in the future, it would be easier if it's not my name. But honestly, like, who, who fucking knows if I can sell it anyway? So that's mm -hmm. like, just like a, a, a sing, simple, like, pro for being uh, this brand profile. But yeah, it, it's a tough call. Like, and it's honestly, it's still something I'm, I'm not 100% sure about what's the right way to go about it. Um, I think it really helped that the profile is called uh, the AI solopreneur and not like my name, the AI solopreneur, because now it's like, it's the brand name. And I'm kind of really like, I've opened this niche and I'm trying to be like the category king. And it will be very hard for someone to come in who had a profile before. And now, and now he's the AI solopreneur, but it's like, um, yeah, there's like a lot of pros and cons to like doing this like semi- anonymous profile but i think for the brand value it's actually helping me a lot to um to be like this also um, one last thought for that i think if you have a saturated market um and i actually talked to a kieran drew about that maybe you know him um oh, he, yeah. he told me it's something super interesting it's like in a saturated market like let's say writers online right you kind of really need your personal brand to differentiate yourself but if you have a new market you also have more space to kind of just build the product because there's no because there's no no huge saturation and i'm i'm really trying to build a brand via uh, the way of writing the visuals and i think it's already a, yeah it's an experiment for my side so let's see maybe this will change in the future as well like maybe i will still become the ai guy you know the ai solopreneur so um yeah. I like the approach of like keeping the business really niche and building it separate from yourself for a couple of reasons, because a like, okay, maybe the business is niche, but you're not niche. You're broad and well-rounded. You like a bunch of different things, but for people that are interested in the AI solopreneur, like you said, they're coming to you exactly for that reason. And also I feel like it gives you flexibility to pivot down the line too. Like, let's say 20 years from now, like the AI solopreneur is a huge success, but you're, you're kind of done with it, right? If you called yourself the AI solopreneur from the beginning, you kind of lock yourself into that box. Whereas exactly. in, tw yeah. in 20 years from now, you could become the shit, the psychedelic solopreneur, like whatever you want, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> you're keeping your personal brand separate from the business. Now there is like a counter argument of like, build everything under your own name and like make yourself the business. But obviously there's pros and cons to all that. But yeah, in terms of solopreneurship, like what drew you towards the one person business model versus like trying to start a big startup or a Fortune 500 company? Yeah, so in general, I would say like why I started to work on my own before. I mean, as an artist, I was also a solopreneur, right? It's just a different 
way of uh, your product is your music. It's also digital product. So actually there's more like in those things have more in common than most people uh, know. So for me, it was always like, I, I just don't want to answer to anyone. Right. I kind of the same thing that like you said, I want to work on my own schedule. I want to uh, build my business with my energy. And I think that's like such a big, big um, advantage in being a solopreneur and not being dependent on other people. But I think like solopreneurship is also, it's also a flexible kind of term. Like I think it's so you're still a solopreneur if you like work with a freelancer from time to time, right? Yeah. So I think this is this is the best way for me to to do it. So like you're like the core of the business and you're like the operator, but you can work with other people, but you don't have to um, like report to your boss or you have like a hundred employees and you're just people managing right? Because I want to create, that's the most important part for me. Like I want to optimize for creativity and kind of flexibility uh, in the way like I talk um, in the way I create. And also like, I also want to shit post on Twitter if I want to. Right. And that's important to me. Like, and I think it also adds to a brand value and not takes away from it. I actually got a, I have like a little story about that. I made this like microdosing guide and uh, I also posted on LinkedIn back then. And I got this and I made like a call to action, please like comment like LFG, like let's fucking go if you want it. And this one guy, he showed me in DM, he's like, yeah, and uh, I really can't like write let's fucking go because like, I don't know what my clients will think of me. And it's really that blew my mind. I was like, that's crazy. That's only, it's not like he's writing, uh, you know, Trump for president or what, you know, something that's like very opinionated. <laughs> it's just like, let's fucking go. And it's even like an acronym. But he, he thought like it would lower his personal brand. That's what he told me. And I just wrote him back. It's like, that's so interesting. It's such a different world. But sometimes it's important to like see like the other side of it and to realize, okay, that's not what I want. And I'm choosing something completely opposite. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way in terms of not wanting to answer to anybody or not having to worry about like somebody saying, oh, delete that tweet or something. And I remember I played college football and we had to be very careful with like what we would post on social media because everybody's watching. And like, if you say something out of bounds, like you're going to get asked to take that down. And now yeah. that I'm out of that and now I can post whatever I want and nobody can tell me anything. I feel it's so liberating to not have to hold your opinions back. And that's another part of solopreneurship that I just love. But yeah. you said something interesting there about like how being an artist was really the first taste of solopreneurship. So how does art, relate to business in your opinion i think it all comes down to creating to me and if you want to create for me i was always like a i was always a disciplined creator and i really believe in like it's it's such a cliche but i believe in having like certain systems or framework and create every day uh, you kind of create no matter what um, that's a very important mindset and i still like this really deep inside of me now and I mean, building a business is as creative as, as writing a song for me. Like it's, it's kind of the, for me, it's like the zero to one moment. And that's also what really, what drives me. If you want to create a new business, you have to, like you're, you're building something out of nothing. If it's like a social media profile, you're kind of at the drawing board and you're iterating as you go and you're collaborating. Same thing with music, right? You're, you have an idea, but then you get a writer inside of it and you, you get a vision and you get feedback of, if like the song gets placed on Spotify, so you do more of that, you do iterations, you do 
uh, product tests, you do you no know, new product line, you, you know, it's, everything is, is super similar. The only difference is like music is like fucking hard. <laughs> like the market is so saturated and but I, i'm still interested because i learned so much about content and about like positioning and business and when i was still doing music i started to learn about that but like i would be super interested like how well i would like do now as an artist if i would try again but the only thing like holding me back is like you have to decide like do i want to try like a 10 out of 10 execution and a two of 10 opportunity, right? Or should I try a 10 of, out of 10 execution at a seven out of eight? Or maybe I can even do a seven out of 10 execution on a 10 out of 10 uh, opportunity and win big, right? So I think that's something that's uh, it's very, very important to keep that in mind. Yeah, and I know the music industry is notorious for like being super diluted it's like the top one percent make all the money and the bottom 99 percent are like pretty much the starving artist um yeah and i'm curious do you think the creator economy is headed the same way where like the top one percent of creators are gonna reap all the benefits and then everybody else kind of gonna be left with not with not much at all honestly like i'm i'm super confused when it comes to where the creator economy is going I can see the creator common economy going to zero with AI. That's like what's really like fucking with my brain as well because like I'm a creator. But I think it's something you really have to keep in mind because if you think about AI can create the perfect content and it can create the perfect video and it can also test the perfect content for you and it creates a thousand different versions and the highest converting one would just get... And then it's like, where is the where am I in this and all the mm -hmm. comments I, I, I generated to get the most engagement. And uh, this is like a dystopian view. This is like the dystopian version, right? We don't want to be a pessimist and I'm not a pessimist, but one part of me is like, maybe like content will like completely change and it, it will be like a product tailored to us by machines, which is kind of scary. So this is like the pessimistic view, um, the optimistic view um, where I see the creator economy going. I think you probably always have a distribution that's like you have like some top earners and then you have a lot of people trying to kind of get by and it probably will stay like this because it's it's very hard in content to kind of get through right like people always try to sell the dream oh everyone can sell 10k a month and I think there's some truth in that but it's also like a dream being sold because in most niches is very very hard but if you like, for example, choose copywriting, you probably can get there with the right uh, amount of work. But in the end, most people fail with content, right? Like 90 plus percent. Well, I think I saw like a, uh, a statistic, like with like the average earn earning of like creators who want to earn money. And it's, it's, it's ridiculously low. So yeah, I think it will be so interesting to see where, how AI will shape content. That's like the key differentiator. And I'm, I'm not sure how this is going to play out. That's, that's like the, the big, big question mark here. I've been battling with those exact two same viewpoints. And sometimes it makes me like a bit nihilistic in terms of like, oh, AI will just make the perfect content. AI will just write the perfect book. It'll make the perfect movie. It'll, it'll make the perfect video game. Like where are humans going to fit into this? But then I kind of step back and think, okay, like, would people want to follow 
an account that was just AI, even if it was great content and it was perfectly made for them. Like, I guess I'm holding on to the hope or the belief that humans want to follow other humans and be inspired by other humans. Um, So yeah, I I actually had that topic down to get into like AI optimism versus pessimism, because sometimes I feel so optimistic. I'm like, this is going to be the next evolution of humanity. It's going to outsource all of our meaningless work. And we're going to be free to be able to be creators and play and not have to do all this meaningless grunt work. But on the other end of things, like there's a lot of things to be scared about. So if you had to say like 50-50 or like how much are you on the optimist or pessimist side in terms of AI right now? Uh, I'm definitely on the optimist side. And I think humans tend to like overemphasize, like they oftentimes exaggerate like how how bad the change is going to affect humanity, right? Every time something new was invented, it's like, oh, this is the, either the end of humanity or the end of intelligence. So, but with AI, it's like really, if you if we are able like, to to get to AGI, it's um, the basic concept of it is like that we cannot understand the implications because they are bigger than our our own intelligence, right? That's kind of the problem. I think if you really kind of dig into it. It's like, how can you, humans are very bad and uh, we are like very linear in our thinking. So in like linear growth and exponential growth is something, if you, if you like traded a, a shitcoin before and it goes like a hundred X, like your brain or if something goes viral, your brain cannot comprehend viral growth in any way, which is exponential growth. So the exponential growth of intelligence, like to understand the exponential growth of intelligence is kind of a paradox for me. Uh, but I'm still, I'm, I'm always like optimistic that we'll find a way to like figure it out. But nevertheless, I believe that we will have like, probably have some chaos. Like the lowest form of chaos is like every fifth person loses her or his job, right? That's a lot of chaos. There's not the end of society and we probably figure it out. But how long do we need to figure this out? I mean, our governments are, they, they're so notoriously known for being super slow and right, like always kind of being one step behind or like five steps at, uh, in, like in advance and but doing like the wrong regulations. So I don't expect that like, governments to be very smart about that. So we probably see like some kind of shifts in the job market that leads to some uncertainty in like how we um, act as a society. But if we look at it from a bigger scope, right? on a macro scale, we, we're going to figure this out. So about that, will it take like 10 years, 20 years, or like one year to figure it out? That's like the big question here. So, and I'm not sure about that. Yeah. And the whole argument about AGI and like the singularity where progress is beyond human comprehension. It's so fast that we can't even comprehend what it would be beyond our scope. And so for everybody out there, including myself, that is a bit, in the dark in terms of like, what is AGI? Like, are we approaching it? Is GPT, like, is it capable of AGI? Like, can you break all that down? Um, I also have to say like, I'm not crazy expert on that topic, Um, but GPT uh, four is definitely not AGI. And we are also not close to AGI. And if I listen to some, um, so it's like general intelligence, right? AGI and GPT is like, it's not even close to being a general intelligence, but I think predictions about that. One of the one famous like AI researcher recently changed it to like 
to AGI will be in the next 10 to 15 years. So it's still like on the, on the time horizon. Um, but yeah, other than that, like to, to break down when we'll get there or like what it will it actually exactly look like. Um, like I'm honestly, I'm not someone to do that prediction here. <laughs> no, that's valid. And I appreciate you saying you don't know because everybody I feel like who says they know what's going to happen. Like, no, you don't like nobody yeah. actually can tell the future. Um, people we'll see it people love predictions. Like oh, it's the do. same thing in crypto, right? It's who always get the most engagement and the most reach is like those guys telling you Bitcoin's going to be 5 million in 20 years. And it's like, shut the fuck up. You know, <laughs> you, humans right. are so bad at predicting stuff. Um, I think it's more important to like react and uh, like to plan, okay, what's, how will AI impact my life in the next five to 10 years? I think that's a very important question. And to look at your education, to look at your job, and be like, okay, how, how can I like profit from this? Or how can I change my approach to my job? How can I be involved? And there's also, there's also re honestly, the AI solopreneur is also out of my own self-interest and being, I want to kind of keep track of that shit because if I'm not invested in any way, I mean, I'm not like 14, right? Or like even younger way, like, oh, you just try out everything you see on Reddit and you're like, just, oh, everything new, I will try it out. So I want to keep myself accountable and invested in a new technology that I'm like, I have to understand it now because now it's like basically my job. Um, so I'm kind of building this little uh, machine around myself to yeah, keep accountability and to, it also forces me to think those like bigger questions, like how will this impact society? How will this impact education? And I'm talking to like, uh, I talked to, to a friend who was like a teacher at a school and he told me like, homework is like useless now because everyone's using ChatGPT and that's like the education system is kind of uh, on its last leg, right? And yeah, just being in this position of running this account, it just gave me like incredible insight about like what is really happening at the moment. What can the average person who maybe isn't on the cutting edge of this stuff, like what can they do to stay up to date and not feel overwhelmed? Because I even know myself, like it seems like something is coming out every day. Like there's agent GPT, there's chat GPT, there's now Bing has its own thing. Like Google's making its own AI. Like how can the average person stay up to date? Yeah, it's really hard, first of all, because like I said, the, the speed of um, innovation is incredibly fast. Um, I would say it's the best part is not only like following and reading stuff, it's really like trying. And that could mean just take 10 minutes a day and sit in front of ChatGPT and try out some stuff. Like use those little time slots, maybe in the evening. Think about like what's the problem or what's a, what's the problem I have regularly or what's like a, a system or a process I'm doing over and over again. And just try to do it with ChatGPT. And of course, it's very, I don't want to like self-plug, but um, I'm still doing it. So I think like our newsletter is very helpful for people that want to get started, especially if you have more of a business focus. Because like, I think our key differentiator is we want to show you how to apply this stuff. And because most news that us, and I don't think it's very helpful to really like only get deep into news because news is like, right. It's like noise. Sometimes it's this is coming out, this is coming out. But if you think about it, like what is actually, what, what value am I actually getting, spending my time reading about the news? Um, I think the great thing about AI is that you can actually try and use the products and 
in any kind of business, like even now podcasting, I just saw this amazing video on TikTok about Adobe podcast. Um, and this room I'm in now here is not the best room. I have a pretty good mic, but you can see there's some reverb here. And you can just basically use a shitty phone with this new app, put it somewhere in the room, and it will completely filter out everything. And the voice sounds like the best podcast mic ever. And I'm like, that's crazy. But you have to try it, right? So I think it's important to look at your process, your job, and just try out tools. Like I said, do 10 minutes of ChatGPT every now and then. Um, I think focusing on the main tools is a good way to approach it. So if ChatGPT has 100 million users, there's a reason why. So get the basics right there. And uh, it's also very helpful to kind of share what you learn. If you do any kind of content, you can do it in every niche, honestly. Like if you do like female health coaching or like whatever, like if you're like a gym bro, you, you can you can use uh, ChatGPT for nearly everything. And it's also great to integrate it into your content, for example. Yeah, I think the point you make about like you have to use it to stay up to date is so valid. And I think about like the generational gap that is already widening in terms of like my grandparents struggle so much to even use their iPhone, right? And like for yeah. us, that's second nature. And I think it's just going to accelerate more and more with AI. Like if you don't use it, you're going to get out of touch. And to survive in the modern world, you have to be up to date with the latest technologies. And even if it's uncomfortable, you've got to just try to use it. Luckily, I'm around a lot of people that talk about this a lot. Like that's a big benefit to writing online is being on Twitter is I am able to connect with people like you that are on the cutting edge of this or else if I was in school, like all I'd be using chat GPT for would be to like cheat on my homework. Like, but I wouldn't actually be thinking about the implications of like, how oh, how's this going to affect my job? How's this going to affect my life? And I don't think a lot of people, even in like my age around college age are thinking like that. But something you said earlier is like the average business is going to have like a copywriter, an accountant, a lawyer, all these things. If AI is able to basically outsource that or take those responsibilities, like what will happen to all those copywriters? What will happen to all those accountants? Are they going to also have to become creators, solopreneurs, or I guess maybe it might be too hard to say. Yeah, I believe that if you are in such job, basically every job, um, you either have to leverage those tools and on the short term, this can make you like a, higher value uh, producer of whatever you do. It's like accounting or whatever. Um, so in the short term, it's even, it would even increase your value probably by a lot if you can leverage those tools fast. If you don't do this, you will become like a commodity. And I think it's like a race to the bottom price-wise. So, and the, ra the, the race to the bottom could mean zero, right? You lose your job because no one wants to pay for this anymore. Because honestly, right now, um, if you pay like a copywriter before, and they give you like medium good results. Like, why would you do that? Like you, you can get, get that out of ChatGPT without knowing anything about how to use it. And you know, the, the bar is, if you do, if you use like the newbie bar and it's still better than the medium copywriter, like those people will out of a job very, very fast because um, yeah, someone will kind of leverage those tools. So yeah, I think you have to, you have to learn how to use those tools. I'm not sure about the speed of change um, usually I think it, it needs, this also needs some time for momentum for adoption, right? I don't think every copywriter will be out of a job in a year if they don't use ChatGPT. But 
maybe in three to five years, like maybe the prices will go down and you have those like using it and they can do more clients and they um, can get more work done. So yeah, it will be an interesting dynamic to see like the, also the supply demand side of it. I've also heard a lot of people talk about if AI is just going to take all our jobs, like what's the point? Like, why are we even alive? Like, what are we going to do? So what would your, what are your thoughts around like the meaning of, I guess in a broader sense, like the meaning of life without work, if AI is yeah. able to outsource this stuff. Yeah. I made it, I made a tweet like a couple of uh, days ago. I don't, I'm not sure if anyone, I think you commented on it, which was like psychedelics is at the other side on the other side of AI. Yes. And that's like a, an example for me. There's some stuff you cannot replace with an AI. And I think like the, the basic human connection and community is something that will really thrive again. Like everything that's culture, um, that's connection, that's being together in a funny way, like the most te technological advancement, like the craziest technological advancements of all time, which is AI, will bring us to something that's more tribal again, in my opinion, which is like spending more time on things around culture, around community, around like social content. That's like maybe my utop utopian view. Um, but like having those experience, for example, for psych psychedelics again, um, sorry, um, is like really the, the, the opposite outcome. Of, of AI. So I think those things will like completely be more important again. And like, there's also something I'm looking, looking forward to. So I don't, I don't believe in people won't work anymore. And it's just like chilling. Um, this will take a long time. They will do different kinds of work and maybe like be in my perfect world. It's like either everyone, like the, the pessimistic view or the dystopian views, everyone's like plugged to the matrix consuming <laughs> yeah. like customized TikToks every day right just the most engaging content you cannot you basically watch you you open the app tiktok once and you like watch until you die because the content is so good so <laughs> don't have the stuff again there's like the dystopian version but the other part for me is like i believe that like real life experiences will become more important again uh, real life meetups and i also believe this will be true for every kind of product you're building right now that like in-person stuff is going to be more important again there are things with your hands crafting things um yeah i think it's like it will be like a counter movement of doing this like tedious computer jobs which is also super strange if you think about it you sit in front of a computer the whole day and like click is so degenerate if you think about it so maybe we'll like we'll go uh two steps back again in another direction that makes me feel really good like hearing that like that makes me feel excited for the future because i'm thinking about it I spend probably half my day, more than half my day, not in the actual physical present world. Like I'm yeah. on a computer right now. I know we're having a conversation, but it's through the computer. I'm, my work is writing. It's all on the computer. Like I'm doing all this stuff. It's always on the computer. And I feel like I've lost that sense of the present moment and that community aspect too. Like, and I think this is what happens when we grow up and we, we have to go to jobs and we become all so individualistic, but like as a kid, all I do growing up is like play sports with my friends outside, like ride bikes around, like be with each other and really have that sense of community. And I think that's one downside to all this technology. But if we're able to go back to something like that, like that is super exciting. Um, but yeah, I wanted to get into that tweet. I wrote that tweet down to talk about. 
psychedelics are on the other side of AI. Like, can you, can you break down? Like, what, what do you mean by that? I don't think like AI could ever like replicate an internal feeling or like an internal and psychedelics really are about like knowing yourself, like, or getting known to yourself and experiencing yourself. And for me, AI can take a lot of the external parts of the world from me, processes, my work, whatever. But in the end, like it's, I think the experience as a human is like the, like to experience like what it really means to be you and to be inside like your own mind is like a fundamental experience of everyone. And I believe that psychedelics are really like a helper to get there. And if we have AGI on the one side, you have the uni, like the artificial intelligence, you have psychedelics as the like, I don't know how you could call it, like the intrinsic cosmic intelligence, right? Because it's also AGI. For me, psychedelics, could, and now I know a better explanation. I think psychedelics kind of connect you to the true AGI, which is not built by humans, but it's like- The universal wisdom. Universal intelligence. And maybe, yes. I mean, there. okay, now we get really deep. I now had a thought. I mean, there's always this, maybe we are in a simulation, right? And maybe- the psychedelic AGI is just like true AGI of the simulation that runs us. So you don't, <laughs> you can get pretty deep on that stuff. Yeah, so you yeah. don't know, but, but I just, I just believe in something like universal general intelligence. And I'd also believe that like psychedelics are a way of connecting to this, but they're not the only way. It's like a, it's like a crutch maybe. <laughs> a crutch. So what would the other ways be like meditation, like yoga, something? Yeah, I would say so. Like, I think you can get to a certain point of self-realization. Um, I haven't, but I heard some people get there. But yeah, for me, psychedelics are really, are like, a, you can open a door to something that's more intelligent like you. Maybe for some people it's religion, right? To have like a bigger meaning in your life, to have like a, in the end, <laughs> probably every God is AGI as well, right? So yeah, it's it's maybe the same thing. When was your first psychedelic experience? Um, I think I was like, I don't know, like eighteen or maybe sixteen. But I had like a big gap in between. And the first like impactful experience was when I had like a like a guided one in Amsterdam it was two years ago. So I also rather said about it. Um, if anyone wants to look it up. And uh, this was like a like a little center, like two hours from Amsterdam. And I did a one-on-one -on -one ceremony with a guy. And this like completely changed the way I see psychedelics. And I now really recommend it doing it in a more like a traditional way of someone guiding you. And he also played some instruments and he like gave me this kind of room and freedom through the trip that really made it completely different for me. So now I, I don't do like high doses on my own anymore. I, do, I just do microdosing. And for like higher doses, I go to like uh, guides. I don't like the word shaman because there's also so many like fake shamans out there and like, oh, I'm a shaman. And they actually they like watched three YouTube tutorials and they're just drug addicts who like, you know, always have some drugs. And so there's a huge uh, responsibility for those people. Like if you want to be a guide and, I think it's important to find someone who you like really connect with and who, who you can trust 
which is hard sometimes because you don't know someone, right? It's more of a gut feeling I had at this point. But yeah, this was like the, the big change for me was like to understand that there's a reason why humans always did this in a certain traditional setup and not like completely like don't go to a party and like drop some acid and expect like anything to come from it, right? It's like stupid yeah. to do it. Context is really important and intention is really important. And yeah. I had some friends in high school who experimented with like mushrooms before I even was open-minded enough to consider them. And I just wrote them off as like, oh, that's bad. Like they're just, they're just being idiots. They're doing drugs. Um, and I think the way that they approached it is different than the way I approached it once I did decide to do it. And so the reason I experimented myself was for that introspection was for to understand myself on a deeper level. But I think there's a, there's a fine line between like, are you doing it for the wrong reasons? Or are you doing it for the right reasons? So I guess for you, like what would be the wrong reasons somebody would experiment with psychedelics? Um, the wrong, oh, that's, that's a really good question. I think it's the wrong reason to take it, to think that they will solve your problems. For once, I think that's the wrong approach. They they can definitely help you with stuff, but some people are like, oh, I'm going to take mushrooms and my life will change, right? And then they take mushrooms and they have either a bad experience or they have like a neutral experience and they maybe come out even more confused. So I find this to be like a, not a good mindset. Also, don't take them just to party. Yeah, I think my psychedelics, they have a space as... For example, I believe that like a small dose of acid is a really good party drug, but it won't give you this psychedelic experience, but it gives you like some stimulation, um, like some, some benefits for a party. You can stay up, but you don't have a hangover, right? If you could choose, oh, I will drink the whole night versus you take some acid. Like I would always be like, just take some acid. Um, another bad reason, obviously, is like if you're like super depressed or um, suicidal, some people are like, oh yeah, you can heal yourself with it. It's also, it can completely go the wrong way. So if you have any like more intense, like mental issues, really do it with a guide or a psychiatrist or a psychologist. So it's important to have guidance. That's my point, right? So don't mm -hmm. go out on your own, try to like heal your own demons. That's, uh, that's a bad approach. Something you just said is going to like completely blow people's minds. And it, it's even still challenging my beliefs, but it's so normal in society to stay up the whole night drinking. Like when I was in high school, like from 16 through damn near like 20 years old in the middle of college, like going out and drinking multiple times a week and having like 10 to 15 beers and staying up all night. Like that's normal. Nobody's going to yeah. second guess it. But if you say, Oh, just drop a little bit of acid, like people's minds are going to explode. So like, yeah. why is, why is the belief so backwards? And like, what can we do to, yeah. to change it? I think it really comes down to like the drug policies. I think it was in, was it in Nixon's era? I'm not so familiar with, uh, I think it was Nixon. Um, yeah. And they just really portrayed this really bad view about, oh, acid, it will, it will even like fuck up your DNA and like people, you will jump out of a window and this really stuck into society. Like my parents still kind of had this belief. And, and it's really hard to change the belief. And only in the last 50 years, we have this like war on drugs and it's slowly, changing a little bit so I, I just think like old beliefs really die hard and sometimes they have to die physically with the person they they that they have those beliefs right um so in the grand scale if you look at humans i don't believe that like psychedelics will stay 
like hidden for a long time. Like the next hundred years, they will probably will become more popular again. Um, but they're coming back to the like dropping some acid on a party. Um, yeah, I think like alcohol is also just like viewed in such a wrong way. And it's also an education problem, but also people don't want to believe the truth. I'm not sure if you listened to that. Andrew Huberman had a really good episode about alcohol. And I, I also drank alcohol for a long time. Uh, I still occasionally drink, but it's like maybe every three to four months right now. Um, and I also stopped for like half a year before that. And I don't want to get into it anymore. And like once you really stop, you're like, what the fuck? Like, why, why would I do that? It's so, it's so weird. So yeah, I think it's with psychedelics, you really... I think a lot of people would really benefit from like starting very low. And that's something I don't see very often that like people recommend, Oh, like, why don't you just take like 10 micrograms of acid and see for a day. Right. And most people will probably have a good time and then you can go higher. But the problem is like most people just start with like taking way too much or like taking it on their own or taking it on a party. But yeah, like my honesty, <laughs> um, I'm such a big fan of taking a low psychedelics dose for a party now it's like a hack like a low dose of acid or like a little bit of mushrooms and uh, maybe even with like some, my girlfriend she likes like this ritual cacao and you just drink it it sounds so cliche but it's like you drink some cacao take some acid and go to a party you can like <laughs> dance for like four to five hours and then you just go to bed and wake up and you even feel better the next day and which is like what the fuck yeah it's so crazy how like the common consensus around this is so backwards. It's so wild. And like us talking about this right now, like I completely, I'm like in the same headspace as you, but if I would have told myself two years ago that I'd be having this conversation, my beliefs were completely backwards. So yeah, yeah we, we'd be like outcasts from society talking about this stuff, but I do think it's, it's shifting in a general direction. And I think education, like you said, is such a big piece. And like Huberman, for example, I know so many people that listen to Andrew Huberman for advice. And now he's even a proponent of psychedelics. Like, yes, yeah, maybe he kind of changed right. this public stance a little bit, right? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. Right. And he still even has to be careful because think about it. He's a Stanford professor. A Stanford professor and neuroscientist is saying alcohol is literally like one of the worst things you can do for yourself. And psychedelics, he's done like MDMA therapy himself. So, it's, it's wild that the common consensus is changing. And I, I think like in the next hundred years, it might become mainstream again, because I know like my generation and what, how old are you really quick again? Yeah, 31. 31. Okay. So we're around the same age. I'm 21, but it's seeming to become a lot more mainstream around my age, at least. And yeah. I think people like, the reason I started to hear about it was Joe Rogan. I mean, I know that's super mm -hmm. cliche, but like yeah. him bringing on people like Michael Pollan, like um, yeah. Alan Stamets, Ted Stamets. I forgot the guy who wears the mushroom. Hat. Paul Stamets. Yeah. Paul Stamets. Yeah. Actually, I have a video on my watch later. Paul Stamets just gave a talk two weeks ago and it's like how mushrooms will save the world. And I'm so excited to watch it. I'm going to watch it later. Um, there are some great Netflix specials uh, right now, like. I think there's one by Michael Pollan as well. And yeah, mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of great stuff that's coming out right now. Yeah, the Michael Pollan documentary on Netflix, How to Change Your Mind, that was awesome. And like everybody out there who is still in the belief system of like, no, like drugs are bad, I'll never do it. 
watch that documentary and then like reevaluate. And if you still think like, oh, it's not for me, like that's totally fine. But I think just writing it off as drugs or bad is just very narrow minded. And I've written some threads even recently about I've touched on my psychedelic experiences a little bit. And I've been a bit scared too, because everybody from my hometown, I'm from like a small town in Illinois, like conservative town. And so everybody is like writing it off as, as oh, he's doing drugs. Um, and even a lot of the comments in my thread are like, wow. So you like, I, I wrote a thread about how doing mushrooms helped me lose my ego a little bit and stop playing yeah. football and pursue new things. And people commented like, oh, so you just like stop pursuing your dreams just to do drugs. And I'm like, there's yeah. no way, there's no way you're this narrow minded. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I got the same comments. I think that's, uh, that's also a sign that you're like onto something. If there's still like people hating you, you always want to talk about stuff that people hate on people love. I think that's a great way of approaching the content in general and life in general. So yeah, I believe that's a, that's a good signal. I think so. And I, I still am even a bit hesitant to share because I know like certain people are listening to this podcast and like, they're going to judge me for it, but you know what? It is what it is. Like that's another reason why honestly. Right. That's another reason why I want to like be a solopreneur and do my own thing. So I don't have to worry yeah. about like, oh, I'm going to have to try to get a job in two years, but they're going to check my Twitter and see I posted about mushrooms and then I can't get the job. Like I wouldn't Honestly, want that like, job anyways. Yeah. From, maybe I can completely even flip it because for me, for my experience, there's so many like founders or like people like running bigger businesses, like asking me even to come on to their team and they reference Oh, I also saw you like you're like mushroom trees. It was super interesting. So like it's such a good like door opener because you, in a way, you show that you like kind of care about yourself, right? You in the in a way of you about your own consciousness and that you like reflect about on stuff. So I think it's it's also a good conversation starter because it's a little bit it's interesting, yeah. right? And like you said, you don't want to interest like. I even get messages from people that are like, I would never take psychedelics, but I'm, I still think it's super interesting if you talk about it. So like my advice would be just honestly, just go for it. Obviously when it comes to like family and stuff, it's a different topic, but yeah, there's, I think there's worse things to talk about than like taking like mushrooms occasionally. And like I said, everyone's getting like blackout drunk every weekend. So like they don't really have a point. If you ask me, <laughs> I agree. And like the difference between alcohol and psychedelics for me, last, last point I'll make on this, um, don't want to beat a dead horse, but it's like alcohol is numbing your consciousness, right? You're trying to everybody in a bar is basically lowering their consciousness so they can kind of escape yeah. the moment. Psychedelics are raising your consciousness, consciousness. You're trying to connect with the present moment, connect with your true self, but yeah, I don't want to like beat in that too much. Um, There was a quote you actually referenced on Twitter that I loved by Terrence McKenna. And it was going to the grave without doing psychedelics is like going to the grave without having sex. So I have to ask, do you think like everybody should have a psychedelic experience? Yeah, I think so. At least once, like plan it the right way. But I think you're missing out on a big part of life and consciousness if you don't. I agree. But a lot of people will never open their mind to the point of even considering it. So 
I guess, how could, how could you open people's minds? Is, is it just through education? Yeah, I, I'm not a believer in like being like the missionary and telling people like what to do. Mm-hmm. I think like people will find out if they're ready for it. And it's, it's not a great way to go about it, like to kind of beat the drama and be like, you have to, you have to do this now. You have to try this now. Right. But it's, it's more about, yeah. Like I think it's already, it's already good if some people talk about it openly and not, I'm also not trying to promote There's a, a million reasons for some people to not do psychedelics maybe right now. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's, it's not the cure for everything. And it's not the wonder drug. It's just like one tool of kind of self-exploration. Yeah. And I think the point you made earlier about like doing it with an instructor or um, somebody who is like really experienced is a really good point because I mean, I, I've never been exposed to that, but I feel like that would be a safer, more structured way to do it. But I wouldn't even know where to start to look for something like that. So like, where, where do you look? Um, you, you, honestly, you can just Google <laughs> and you have, sometimes it helps if you know someone who's kind of in the scene a little bit in bigger cities is usually very easy. Um, but I think also like there are sites like retreat Google and you can sometimes find them on there. Even, even if it's like in some countries have like, it's not completely legal, but it's also not completely legal, but it's not it's like in gray zone. Um, for me, like going to Holland from Germany, when I was in Germany, it's very easy. It's, it's legal there. Um, but there's also a lot of like psychedelic stuff in near Berlin where I live. There's also a lot of ayahuasca. Um, yeah, honestly, it's just like getting involved and talking to some people and you'll find it. It's, it's not, at least where I know, where I come from in Europe, you can, there's, there's spots everywhere. Interesting. And something else that, is really interesting to me about psychedelics. And I've been reading a little bit into Steve Jobs and like how he credits studying like Zen Buddhism and taking LSD with like opening his mind as a, as a youth. Yeah. And I think there's also this common consensus that people that maybe are into spirituality or into psychedelics aren't like also ambitious, but like, here you are, you're like 31, you're like starting, you're trying to start a company, you're trying to grow, like, but you're also into this. So like, why do you, why do you think that it's often a common parallel between people that have experimented with these things and people that are super ambitious? Like, do you think it's, it's linked? I think it's linked to curiosity and understanding psychology. And most of the like best entrepreneurs are they create us right in a way they create companies they create value um, but they also deeply have to understand consciousness and psychology and they're super curious i think like curiosity is probably the probably more people are curious than they are maybe ambitious and like curiosity is what even drives some of their ambition um like to explore and to bring humanity forward so i think that's a huge overlap and yeah curiosity is like the one trait where if a person doesn't have it i i find it really hard to relate or really hard to like get on the same page i love when people are curious and they just want to know about the world and another like if you aren't as curious or you aren't as open psychedelics literally i think can push you towards more open on that spectrum i actually i heard this stat from jordan peterson 
I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's scientifically backed, but I'm assuming if he said it, it's probably pretty valid. Anyways, so it's somebody who has a psychedelic experience, like a full psychedelic experience. They move an entire standard deviation over on the openness spectrum in the big five for the psychology traits. And that blew my mind and helped me understand myself so much better because ever since I did mushrooms for the first time, I've gotten so much more open-minded and curious, whereas when I was younger, like in high school and early college, it goes very close-minded, like very tribalistic and like, and it's crazy how much it can change. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think sometimes people are like, yeah, they drugs, they just change your character, but is it a bad thing, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it always sounds like a bad thing. Um I mean, we all we all change our like character over time, our personality states. It's not a, it's not like a stable, stable. Uh, what's it called? It's called like a stable thing in in general. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it would definitely change your openness. But like like again, I don't want to be the guy telling you it's like the wonder thing that will fix everything and change you for the better. There's also downsides. There's also risks to it. And it should always just be one tool of like exploring yourself. But um, I don't think there's, it's, it's good to like take psychedelics, but don't do anything else, right? You, you should always combine it with like introspection with maybe even with like therapy or um, I don't know, maybe even going to the gym more often, right? And feeding your body much. So it's like, it's like a holistic approach that's needed. Yeah. And even like building a business on the side of it or like having other things you're striving towards, I think that's necessary. And so for you, obviously you're building this business, you're building this personal brand. What's the next maybe like year or so looking like for you right now? Yeah. So right now I'm really focusing on like building the AI solopreneur and um, like my bigger vision, like obviously it's like growth for a new setter and for the Twitter is like, it's important, but I'm really like a community guy. And I think if we come back to again, like what will AI kind of accelerate and what will be more important? I really think it's community and it's like real life experiences. So I want to create like a community around solopreneurship where people can meet that are building their business together. But also think about like doing like hackathons um, where like the community can create products, do like in life, uh, in real life events, maybe do some kind of like intensive coaching or maybe not even coaching maybe it's more about accountability and like growing businesses together um hearing everyone's story bringing the story out there that's like really what's driving me um to like build a brand and a product but also like a um yeah like a a following that's very very engaged and involved and it's it's almost like you you build this like parallel world of entrepreneurs that want to grow together and win together I love the idea of hosting in-person stuff for solopreneurs. And I think that's so necessary because I think by nature, solopreneurship, it can be a bit like lonely at times. Especially, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And I've noticed that myself, like now going down this path, like I spend a lot of time alone and I find it hard to relate with a lot of people because what we're doing is so different. So if you had like an in-person event, I would, I would hundred percent be there. That would be so cool. Yeah. That's also, that was also like on my drawing board and like AI makes solopreneurs even lonelier, right? Because before that, maybe you had, had like contact with a copywriter uh, or you'll have a message with, you know, whatever your account and you have some human interaction, but if it's even more AI, 
like it AI will make people even lonelier. So there's I think where the need for community is even greater. So yeah, that's also like one of the choices why I was like, okay, I, I want to build a community around that. It's that's such so a buzzword, cool. right? It's like, oh, community, you have to have a Discord and nothing's happening, but people don't understand what community actually means. Like it's not like another room where you can sell to people, right? It's like the the space where people should meet and where they should create stuff together. And that's such a big difference. How would you go about building the community? Like, would you do it through Discord, but then would you prioritize like trying to make it in person? Yeah, so we're starting on Discord. We're actually sending out the application tomorrow. Uh, so you have to apply. So we, we want to have like an engaged Discord and not like, I'd rather have like 50 really engaged members versus like 10,000 and it's like completely like, impersonal and no one knows each other so um yeah so i'm i want to put it in discord first i mean obviously like the event stuff is like further out and you have to do it like you have to find it logistically a way that, that kind of works but that's that's something i'm really like excited about right to like you said myself included like i don't know many solopreneurs around me mm -hmm. i don't like and i think that's a huge value I, even when you said it like it's like oh uh, you just said like oh an event for solopreneurs would be dope and i was like that's crazy i've never been to something like that right yeah and it's and it's not like that there's like 10 like solopreneurs conventions or whatever so um i think it's an people always try to push that narrative oh you it's so cool to work on your own whenever you want from wherever you want, but it's also lonely. They don't so don't show the other side of it, and so I think that's a huge opportunity. You can probably also just build a business around that, honestly, without just like how can you physically connect solopreneurs? <laughs> that would be the approach. I would be interested in it because I think you made a really good point. Like, and I'm guilty of this too. Like, you only show the highlights, right? I only show the fact that oh, I only have to work certain amount of hours i can wake up when i want and all that stuff is yeah. amazing and i wouldn't trade it for anything i think it's much better than the alternative of working a nine-to-five however there are some things that do start to weigh on you like the inevitable time alone right the lack of people to build something with and i think that community would be really cool keep me updated on it because i'm i'm interested yeah i'm going to send you an invite yeah <laughs> sweet i i appreciate it that'd be so cool um in terms of like monetization for the ai solopreneur what are you thinking right now um yeah so obviously it's like a user so you always have the like sponsorship um route we definitely do that but i think the more value really is in selling education stuff so selling like the courses but also probably down the line what i said like it's like a, maybe like a high ticket membership of people that have a certain amount of business already that maybe are ab above a certain threshold and it's more like a, uh, a group coaching or group accountability in-depth kind of service. And I'm also thinking about um, maybe there's a way to like build an agency at the end of this. So maybe like you follow the solopreneur, but you don't have the time to actually learn all the stuff on your own. So it would be cool if there's a button that says, okay, um, we will send someone kind of to your organization and help you integrate AI. This obviously, it needs like, it needs more manpower and more organization. An agency model is a completely different model to like a cost model, which is way easier to, to do. But 
I think like in AI, that's the cool thing. You have those like, it's, it's, it's hard to not find ways to monetize this, right? But in the end, it's like all about like, how can you create the maximum value for people? And you just basically um, layer different um, layers of like how much effort do the does the customer need to put in and if they don't want to put in put in any effort they can do the agency model if they want to learn themselves they can buy an info product if they just want to see the content without doing anything they can still just follow right so um yeah there's different ways to do that but for me right now it's just like just building the business is the most important part and obviously monetization is important but we are still like only two weeks in into the business so yeah um, i think it's like nurturing the audience and like finding the niche and really like nailing down what are we about and what can you expect from the brand um that's like way more important right now than just like monetizing after week two and like doing all the things at the same time and sponsorships and selling like a shitty course right so it has to be has to be high quality and the product has to really like and i'm more in the like research phase right now talking to people getting feedback starting the community stuff like that i think that's a really smart approach because it could be easy to like grow the huge following huge newsletter really quick and then just want to make money right away. But I think if you're able to like kind of delay the gratification, build up that goodwill with your audience, and then you drop something down the line, like, oh my gosh, like if you, if you're building this AI solopreneur, you have like a hundred thousand followers and you still haven't released anything. And then you release like some AI course, like for 50 bucks. Like, I feel like people would be all over that, especially because you've yeah. shown competency throughout the months on the yeah. timeline. I think the other, the, the only like counter argument really is the momentum of AI. And if you have yeah. some, and the demand is super high. So I'm definitely also aware of that. And um, I'm not like, oh, I don't want to sell until I, you know, the, the Gary V left jab, jab, uh, hook or whatever. Because if people want the product, give them the fucking product, right? So also don't um, overcomplicate stuff. So yeah, I'm in yeah. between those, but I'm going to build a product uh, pretty soon. But yeah, it's important for me that it's high quality and it's it's not like a, a cash grab because like, you know, the reputation, it, it's important to build up a reputation long-term and not like, like milk your audience and they will go somewhere else. 100%. And can you give any glimpse yet into like what this product would look like? Um, not really. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I have, I I have two or three different options. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just figuring out which one will be the first, but it, it will be... Yeah, like I said, my aim is to help solopreneurs really to implement this AI stuff and not give you like the dopamine hit of like a thousand prompts you will never use. I'd yeah. rather give you I'd rather give you three prompts you use every day to make your business faster and better than give you a thousand you never use. I think that's like the main goal to really find those like golden workflows that really work well and replicable. Um, and yeah, to kind of package them well so people actually use them. I'm excited to see it. Like, and I'm excited for myself too, now that I'm going down the solopreneurship path and I'm realizing like how much AI could help me in this. So I'm, I'm hyped for it. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to send you an invite as soon as the community is open. I hope to see you in there. And if, yeah, if anyone listening wants to join, just uh, go on the profile AI solopreneur. And uh, we also going to link everything on there. 100%. And I'll link all that stuff down in the show notes below if anybody's interested. But yeah, I think cool. this is a great place to, to end it off. Dude, thank you for coming on. This was a super fun conversation. Yeah, likewise. I had a lot of fun. It was great.
I'm super excited to see where you're at in the next year, five years, 10 years. I feel like we're going to be hearing a lot more about you. I'm excited. Yeah. Thank you, man. Likewise. <laughs> thank you. Peace.